Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Billy Humphrey dives into the topic of spiritual warfare. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. All right, get your uh, Bible slash device out. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I've, uh, I was sharing this with my sons. How's it going, dude? You doing well? I was sharing this with my sons the other night in our family church. My, my, my son said, so I heard, how do you say it? Family church is a thing. People heard about it. Some of people. Well, we do, we do a weekly hangout family night where we pray together. We talk about the word. And um, a lot of times I try out on my kids the new message, <laughs> I, guinea, I guinea pig them so that I can actually get it clear for everybody else. No, not exactly, but I'll share with them what's on my heart, and then a lot of times it's just seems like that's what I'm supposed to preach out of is whatever's on the top of my heart. Well, we talked about this in family church, <clears throat> and then uh, I shared a little bit about this uh, yesterday afternoon in our Global Bridegroom Fast, our Wednesday Communion. But I want to share even again uh, from Ephesians 6 and talk about um, how the enemy, how he tries to move in our life. Now, here's something I want to tell you right out of the gate. I don't spend a lot of time talking about the devil because he's defeated. You know, and I don't think we've got to spend a lot of time focusing on the other team. You know, it's about our team and our king. And I think when we focus on the other team too much, you can get in a place where you put more faith in the enemy than you do in God. Do you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I don't spend a lot of time talking about the enemy. I spend a lot of time talking about Jesus because when our focus is on Jesus, then who he is and his power, his character, his nature, it manifests in our midst. We come to know him more deeply, and, and here's the thing, like, you know, when they're training, like, bank tellers uh, how to find counterfeits, you know, they actually, they don't give them counterfeit dollars and try to tell them, hey, what's wrong with this? They just feed them all the right dollars, all the right papers, and they actually end up closing, making them close their eyes, and they get a feel for what's true so deeply that when the counterfeit, then they'll slide one counterfeit dollar in. When the counterfeit comes, they immediately, they already know it because they're so accustomed to the true. Does that make sense? And that's how I want to train and teach people. I want to train people on the knowledge of God. Grace is multiplied in the knowledge of God. Our hearts are free in the knowledge of God. I mean, in knowing him, everything else is multiplied unto us. But here's what I found. If I only ever tell you about Jesus, you'll know Jesus, but you will be susceptible to not knowing where the pitfalls are. And so the enemy, he is, he's slick. Everybody say slick. And that's what the actual scripture tells us. So Ephesians 6, look at this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God 
that you may able that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles. Say wiles. Has anybody used the word wiles in a sentence in the last three months? You did. Were you quoting this passage? <laughs> well done. Wiles isn't a word we ordinarily use, and I think it's important. I'm going to tease that out in just a second. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And the passage goes on and it explains what the armor of God is. And it talks about a helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, a loin belt of truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times with all manner of prayer. And it, it identifies that as sort of your armor and your weaponry. And Paul is actually in jail. He's writing this letter. He's looking at a Roman centurion, and he's going, that's right. This Roman centurion, he fights battles, and he's got armor, and we're fighting a battle, and we've got armor. And he's talking about salvation that guards your mind, and, and, and the, the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness that guards your heart, the shield of faith that extinguishes all the enemy's attacks, the preparation of the gospel of peace. The sword of the Spirit, the truth. And so he's, he's, he uses this interesting analogy. And my wife and I, we used to drive. When I first got married, we, we lived in Lawrenceville, uh, Doraville. And, and we drove all the way over to North Marietta every day. We worked together in the same place. So we would pray for an hour every day together. And every day, part of our prayer, we had a prayer format that we followed. And part of our prayer format was we put on the full armor of God. And we said, okay, we have the helmet of salvation on. We take up the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the truth. We're going to speak truth today and only listen to truth. And the gospel of peace on our feet. We're ready to preach the gospel. And sword of the spirit, we're going to stab the devil in the name of Jesus. Like we just pray that thing every day. And uh, it was a format that, you know, a, a, a prayer leader in the, in the 80s taught. Well, it was something that was really life-giving for us. And we just did it over and over and over and over. And it's not like, oh, if you say this, say this armor over you, then all of a sudden the devil can't attack you. But it's a way to get your mind around what are your strengths in Jesus? What do you have? What are your, your, your weapons and your defenses? And understand that we're in, we're in a fight. We're in a fight. And so... When I was praying over this passage for you guys tonight, the word wiles stuck out to me. Wiles. It means schemes. Schemes. It's the strategies that the enemy uses to try to ensnare and entrap you. And the idea is this. When the devil is trying to tempt you, when he's trying to lead you astray, 
He doesn't show up in a red suit with a pointy tail and a pitchfork and go like, hello, it's me, it's devil here, and I am now about to tempt you. Brace yourself, here I go. Like he, he doesn't do it like that, nor does he just bring all the artillery of hell and just start dropping bombs on you. Oh, that was so sweet from the back row all the way to the front. Blessings just covering the whole room. But what he does do is he uses wiles. He uses schemes. And the idea of it is this. He doesn't come in a way that's shouting to you, I'm the devil, I'm here to tempt you. He comes in a way that is slick. It's tricky. It's difficult to discern. It's interesting to me because, I'll take a little tangent. Isaiah 55, the Lord says, my ways are not your ways. He goes, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And he goes, just like when snow and water comes and, and waters the earth to give bread to the eater, seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It accomplishes whatever I send it for. But in there is a really important thought that when God is trying to get something accomplished, the, like the end of the story there in Isaiah 55 is he's trying to give bread to the eater. When he's trying to get something done, he doesn't start with bread. He starts with rain. Rain comes, then a seed comes, then the seed sprouts a stalk, and then the stalk sprouts wheat, then somebody grinds the wheat, then the wheat goes into an oven, somebody does that, then it bakes. Now, about 10 steps later, we've got bread, okay? That's what that passage is about. When God says, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, he goes, I, you want bread, I start with rain. Okay? The devil's the same way. Now, he's counterfeit, but he goes, I want to destroy them. I'll start with something small. I'll start with a trick, a trap. I'll start with a frustration and an attitude. I'll start with a difficulty because I know that when they get piled up with difficulties, they begin to blow off and think, I just need to get out of here, and they will isolate themselves. And then when they isolate themselves, then I can start telling them how bad they are and how much they suck when no one else is around. Because when they're around everybody, they're, they're feeling the you know, the encouragement of being in the number. But if I can create a bad rub with this person and a challenge with that person and, you know, a difficulty with this one and a been hard day at work and then they come in and, man, that person looked at me bad and, gosh, there's that other person that always gets on my nerves. By the time you're halfway through worship, you're like, screw it, I'm out of here. I don't even want to be here anymore. And then on the way home, the claw comes. When my kids were little, I used to go, the claw! I still do it to my daughter. And I claw her for fun. I'm weird. But 
the, the point is that he doesn't start with, he doesn't start with, you should kill yourself. If he did, every time you'd go, that's the devil. He starts with, that person, they're such a pain in the butt, aren't they? And you go, yeah, they're a total pain in the butt. And then that pain in the butt person says something pain in the butt-ish. I'm not saying it's Satan talking to them, but anyway. They say something pain in the butt-ish, and now you're like, I knew it. They are a total pain in the butt. Gosh, I'm so frustrated. He goes, yeah, you're frustrated. Because you're angry. You're so angry, you can't stay in here and worship. You're so angry, you got to go be by yourself. You're so angry, you need to write an angry song right now. You need a journal about your anger. I'm so mad, I could kill somebody. He goes, that's right, you should kill somebody. Start with yourself. And now we got to a suicidal thought from, that person's a pain in the butt. Am I making sense how this works? There's probably a few more steps in there, but I'm, I'm, I'm conflating it for time. But the point is, his wiles are like that. That's the way that he works on you. He doesn't start with the big bad temptation because that would just open your eye. You go, oh, red, you know, flashing lights, that's clearly the devil. Say no, say no, say no. He starts with something that's sly, something that's small, something that's maybe not as detectable. If he hits you with something heavy right out of the gate, you're probably not falling for that. But if he hits you with something minor, he can, and then you take that bait, then he can build on it. I cannot tell you how many times over the years I've seen people get totally backslidden, fall away and reject God. Hi. I didn't know you were coming. This is my wife. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, wow, what was I saying? What are we in Song of Solomon? You have overcome me with one look of your eyes, one glance of your necklace. Wow, that was cool. <laughs> so he starts with something small and moves you to something intense, and we don't even realize that was the progression. And I think that that is a key thought when it comes to spiritual warfare. Most of us think spiritual warfare is something that it's not. And most people say, well, the devil's trying to get me. And I promise you, it's not the devil. Lucifer himself is probably not knocking on your door. He's not omnipresent. Unless you're like, you know, the president of the United States or the key apostolic figure of all the nations. He's pro it's probably not the devil himself. I mean, maybe you're awesome like that, but I'm just saying. Do you, do you see my point? Like, it's, it's probably not the devil. It's probably one of these other layers. And that's what Paul talks about. He goes, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I promise you, whoever the person is you think you have a problem with, the problem isn't that person. I promise. I promise you. It's not that person. You've been fighting a spiritual battle your whole life, and the devil 
he puts people in front as the face. He doesn't show up and say, it's me. He puts a human in front. Because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but watch. Paul's going to give us levels, but against principalities, against powers. That word is exousia. It means authorities, principalities, authorities, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Four different layers. The principalities are the highest one. They are regional influences in the spirit. And then it goes down from there, and they operate in ranks until this lowest one, spiritual wickedness that you can't see. They're in heavenly places. They're in the unseen. That's the idea. Most of us are mostly dealing with spiritual wickednesses. So the next time you think it's the devil, go, you spiritual wickedness, jerk face. But that's what's going on. And so the, the enemy is using little tricks, little traps, starting small, and then he builds from there. Now, just think about this in your own life. When you've been in a bad situation, maybe you did a significant sin, or you've been in a really, really rough situation. Did you ever get into that situation and you go, man, how did I get here? And you start tracing your footsteps back to so going, wait, how did I get here? I, well, I was with that, and then I did that, and then I was this. Man, and had I just not done that, I would never have ended up over here. But you literally had to make like 10 choices all the way through to making that one big bad. Right? Have you ever noticed like once you make a real bad one, it's easier to hop those nine hurdles and just go to the bad one? This is what I've always noticed about people. When they backslide, they don't usually backslide into the lowest sin they ever did. They usually backslide into the highest thing and start from there. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So, um, there's these different layers. The process of it is in degrees and pieces. It's not mostly just starting with the big bad thing and the devil is after me. It's mostly little bit by bit. And it's like this, like this. If you are in here right now and you've got a significant problem with being honest and telling the truth, you didn't start off telling gigantic lies about everything in your life. You started off with something small until that became normal, and then you started telling lies about bigger stuff until you started telling real lies about basically everything. And you might be in here right now and you realize that even while I'm talking to you, you have a problem telling the truth about anything. And what happens is you say yes on a small level to the devil, and then you continue to build and say yes on higher levels to the devil until in your soul you allow the enemy to have access. You give him an area of strength, and it's called a stronghold. You ever heard stronghold? Let's be clear what a stronghold is. A stronghold is when you have given the enemy access in your own soul over and over and over and over till he's just built an entryway in and out of your soul. 
It's a demonic stronghold. So, whereas you used to just get frustrated, now you find yourself in a fit of rage, just like trigger, bang, fit of rage. Does that make sense? That's how this stuff works. I would just say this. Most of the time when people are experiencing warfare, it's, it's just not what they think. Most warfare comes off you're feeling low, you're feeling oppressed, you're feeling down, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling isolated, you're, you're feeling whatever. You're hearing things in your mind. Uh, you're not, nobody likes you. You're, you know, you're not likable. You know, you're, you're, you're not cool. You, you thought you were, but you're not. It's, it's mostly low-grade negative stuff, like a, a negative frequency that's happening in your head. And once you start agreeing with it, it gets bigger. Right? And then it gets bigger. Because once you agree with it, it gets bigger, you do suck. Man, how, how bad do I suck? You suck a million. I suck a million. And th- you know what I mean? The thing just ratchets up on the inside of you. I'm making sense, huh? Y'all are all like, just give the freaking altar call now, bro. We get it. We all got strongholds. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'm not saying y'all have strongholds. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this really clear for you so you, you're, not, you're not ignorant of how he works on you. And so he will work, and he will work, and he will work. He has no problem, listen, playing a long game with you. He has no problem with you doing small compromises over a very short period of time because he knows if he can get you to say yes to the small thing in a half second, he can get you to say yes to a little bigger thing. Does this make sense? Well, it's important for you to realize that we're wrestling all the time. This phrase is an interesting phrase. He calls them the rulers of the darkness of this age. The darkness of this age. What is that talking about? The darkness of this age. Now, let me just give you a little little picture. In the garden, when Adam and Eve rebelled and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they disobeyed God and they rebelled and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, instantaneously the authority that Adam had been granted over all the earth, he forfeited it and he handed it to Lucifer. From that moment until, watch, the time when Jesus Christ returns. We are in the darkness of this age. Now, you and I, we have the benefit of living on this side of the cross. When Jesus came and he died on the cross and he shed his blood, yes, it was for salvation. Yes, it was for justification. Yes, it was for sanctification. Yes, yes, yes. You got saved. You became a child of God. You said yes to the work of the cross. He took his sins upon you. Yes, 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 yes. But there was a massive spiritual warfare thing happening right there. Let me show this to you. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. Are y'all with me? Watch this. Colossians 2, verse 13. 
And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which is contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So he takes all your sin, everything that you ever did, every, everything you ever broke that was you know, against God. He, he takes all that stuff that's written down and he nails it to the cross. Okay, that's dead. All your sin is dead. It's nailed to the cross. All your sin, past, present, and future. He died for all, for all sins, for all time on the cross. It's amazing. But watch this part. Having disarmed, there it is, principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it, in the cross. He was not only forgiving you and cleansing you and setting you free and making a way of justification for you. He was actually taking the devil's authority of you, over your life because we're living in a dark age. He was taking that authority away from the devil. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, the devil has no more authority over you. He only can have authority where we give it back to him. You tracking me? He has no authority over you because Jesus, it says, he disarmed even the principalities. And the powers and everybody under them. He disarmed them. Another translation says he spoiled them. It means he destroyed their power over you. And he made a public spectacle. What is that? That's in the spirit realm. Angels and demons watching. Jesus Christ nailed to the cross. Blood coming out of his forehead, coming out of his arms, coming out of his feet, coming off of his face, coming off of his back. The blood of Jesus is being shed. It's dripping onto the ground. And all the devils and all the demons are going, yes, we've killed God. Yes, 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 yes. And all of a sudden, it is finished. And it's like they're celebrating the, the demonic realm is celebrating in the spirit, but they're like, seems like it would have been better than this. <laughs> I mean, we won, we killed him, but uh, where did he go? Because they see the spirit leave his body. And the scripture tells us he actually goes to the abode of the dead. He preaches, I am Messiah. And in earth time, he's stuck in a, Tomb for three days, two and a half point, two point five days, and then he's resurrected, and the resurrection of Jesus is shocking, and I'll just tell you guys to check this out later, Matthew 27, verse 52, it literally says that when Jesus was raised from the dead, there were seen in the holy city around Jerusalem others who got up out of the dead. The power of resurrection was so significant that when Jesus Christ got up out of the dead, out of the grave, other people were raised from the dead spontaneously because resurrection power hit the whole area. And so, in that moment, now the demons and Satan himself, they get the picture, 
oh no, we should never have put him to death because he just took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He's triumphed over us in his cross. The power of the blood of Jesus not only delivered Jesus from the power of the devil and the power of death and the power of the grave, it delivers everybody who believes in Jesus from the power of death, hell, and the grave. You and I are going to live forever. Satan had the keys of death and hell. Jesus took them. You and I are going to live forever because Jesus has the keys of death. Track with me. The Bible says we're not supposed to be unwise to the devil's devices. That is a Greek word. It's a, it's a really kind of a fun Greek word to say. Metaschematizo. Just try to say it. Metaschematizo. Come on, try it. Metaschematizo. It's fun once you say it once or twice. Meta, metaschematizo. <laughs> metaschematizo. We are not ignorant of his metaschematizo. Next time the devil's trying something on you, go, don't you try to metaschematizo me? You can tell what that word means, right? Meta schema. Big plan. We are not ignorant of his big plans. Because he's going to try to use wiles. He's going to try to use tracks and tricks traps and tricks to get me to say yes to little things so that he can get me with a metaschematizo. Am I making sense? We're not ignorant of his devices because we know he starts small and tries to build big, and that's a, the big is the metaschematizo. And here's my point I really want you to get. Not one of you who believe in Jesus in this room have to be subject to anything the devil wants to do in your life. I mean, you really got to hear this. Not one of us in Christ has to be subject to anything Satan wants to do in your life or the spiritual wickedness wants to do in your life. But the, the question is, will we stand in the blood of Jesus in the authority of the blood, or will we try to like fight the devil with our mind and willpower and oh, get away from me, you metaschematizo, stop. Like, are we going to try to whine our way out of it? Or are we going to actually be legit and say no to Satan and yes to God? That's why the scripture says, Resist the devil and he will. Is that because of your own power? It can't be, right? He's, he's an archangel fallen, but he still has the power of an archangel. This cannot be like, I'm going to beat him in an arm wrestling thing. This is all about, I'm standing in someone else's power. I'm standing in someone else's authority I'm not standing in my own authority. I'm standing in the authority of Jesus Christ because I'm under his blood. I'm his. Does that make sense? Our problem, gang, our problem is this. 
We say yes to the wiles of the devil all the time. We give in to bad attitudes and bad feelings and bad emotions. And like saying the little thing about the person and talking trash about somebody behind their back. And that's called strife and backbiting. We give in to thinking negative and evil thoughts in our minds. Right? We give in to the level one stuff. And you know what the enemy does? Level one, level two, level three, level four. And next thing you know, you're at level seven. And then he's hitting you with a big temptation, and you've got no strength to say no to the big thing, to the metaschematizo. You've got no strength to say, yes, to say no to that because you've said yes to one through six. Does this make sense? And when we say yes and yes and yes and yes to the devices of the devil, he builds these encampments in our soul strongholds, and then he has easy access. And he can start you at a level 7, level 8, level 9, because you've already given him access over and over and over and over and over and over. And, over. and what do we need to do then is we need to come in. we got to break that stronghold down. we got to break that thing down. we got to get that out of your mind. we got to get that muscle that you've worked in lies or that muscle you've worked in deception or that muscle you've worked in backbiting or that muscle you've worked... In, in lust or that muscle that you've worked in self-hatred. We've got to get that thing broken down and get that stronghold pulled out of you so you can stand back in the authority that Jesus won on the cross. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, guys. I'm telling you. Your problem isn't that person. It's not, it's not your coworker. It's not the person in your class. It's not your parents. It's not your friend. That's not your problem. Your problem is there's a spiritual wickedness whispering in your ear trying to get you to depart from living in righteousness. Anybody ever seen this book, Frank Peretti's book, called This Present Darkness? How many, just raise your hand, have you ever seen it? It's an old book because, like, all, like, all eight of y'all. So... So this book, I'll tell you about it. It's an interesting book. So this book is, uh, so he writes it. It's a Christian book. He writes it from the vantage point of being able to see in the spirit and in the natural at the same time. And so when you see people doing things naturally, you see angels that are operating behind the scenes, and then you see demons operating behind the scenes. This book is like wild. I remember uh, we were talking about it the other night, and my son said, he goes, yeah, I, I read it when I was 12, and it was like a Christian horror book. It's like so scary, but I couldn't put it down. I had to read it. It was, freaked me out, but it was awesome. Like Mufasa, you know, it was just that level. And, uh, but if we could understand, you know, see, I just make all my sons one. So if I say my son, <laughs> it's all three of you as one. You're just conflated. You're one individual in story, in story time. Story time, they're all one person, and it might be my daughter too. Anyway, but what you see in that book is this behind-the-scenes thing that's happening and how the enemy's influencing people all the time. And uh, Christians have the authority. And I'll tell you a couple of interesting stories, real, real ones. I remember one time, me and my buddy, it was after church, and we walk into, uh, it was a, a restaurant, TJ Friday's, and um, we go in there, and back in the day, TJ Friday's, I don't know if they still do it, I haven't been in Friday's in forever, but they used to let their uh, servers wear pins all over them. 
They could just wear like pins, whatever kind of pin they wanted. You know what I'm talking about? Like, what are those called? Buttons, buttons. Button. You know what I'm talking about? Are are these things still in circulation? (laughs) Okay. Just give the old man a break. We didn't have screensavers because we didn't have screens. We didn't have phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. All right. We had pins. They were plastic and metal, and they had a pin in them with a button and stuff on it. Huh? Vote for Pedro. Thank you. That's what they had. So I go on the Fridays, and with my buddy, this guy's covered. Our waiter is covered in pins. Every pin is either Wicca, something gay, something satanic, you know, it, it, every one of them. I mean, he's got, he's got as many pins as you can get on him, and he's just covered in them. And I, <laughs> I'm looking at this guy, I'm like, well, this dude's definitely a witch. <laughs> like, there's like, I don't have to have any discernment. <laughs> I'm like, I perceive there's none of that. I'm like, okay, this guy's definitely like into bad stuff. Probably into Wicca or something. He had mostly Wicca. Anyway, he's taking our order, does our, you know, gets our food, gets our drinks, gets our thing. And finally, I just am like, I'm not going to let this guy get out easy. And I go, hey, what's that pin right there mean? I point right at the Wicca pin. What does that mean? And he, this guy goes, I know y'all are Christians. I go, really? How do you know that? He goes, I can see it. And you see what? He goes, I can see your aura. I said, I'm sorry? He goes, yeah, I see people's aura. There are a lot of different colors. They're this color, that color, this color, that color. But when I meet a real Christian, they have a bright white light all around them. He goes, I could see you when you walked in the door. Uh, how far behind are we that we don't even know that a wiles is a thing? And the wicked dude who's working at Friday is like, oh, I saw you when you walked in the door. You're like bright white, glowing. Uh, right? That's story number one. Story number two. My wife was there with me. We were in Mexico. We were in a church that was kind of off the beaten path. It wasn't in a major city. And we were ministering, and while we were ministering, this lady starts manifesting a demon. We were talking about the power of the blood of Jesus, how the blood of Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil, how the blood of Jesus has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, how the blood of Jesus is on us and that no demon can cross the bloodline. And we're talking about this, this lady starts manifesting a demon, And what I mean manifesting a demon, she starts screaming and yelling, but this is so wild, so we get her, we're going to get her out, and we're going to cast the devil out of her. It's like the first time I've ever seen a demon manifest. I've probably seen 25 of them since then, maybe 50, 100, I don't know, a bunch. It's probably more like 100. So, the lady, doing the thing. We get her outside, in the name of Jesus, I command you, come out of her, come out, come out, come out, come out. Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in the name, you know, like, it's like not working. 
I'm trying it all different ways. Jesus. Watch. The pastor goes, oh, she is from the mountain area that we do outreach in. She doesn't speak Spanish. She only speaks uh, uh, a dialect that's local to the region. And I go, oh, okay. Well, in the name. You know, like I'm trying to muscle this thing up. This lady looks right at me. And in English, she doesn't know English. She doesn't know Spanish. In English, she looks me in the eye. She goes, Hema's crazy. Hema's crazy. Oh, I own Hema. That's her name, Hema. I own her. I own her. The demon is speaking through her directly to me and basically going, little boy, you don't know about wiles. You definitely don't know about your authority in the cross. You don't know about the power in the blood, do you? And you can't get her clear. Thank God since then I've gotten a lot of people clear. But it was a wake-up call to me that I could speak a good game, I could talk a good thing, but my faith wasn't actually in the truth of the cross, in the power of the blood, in the reality of spiritual warfare. Guys, every day, every day, angels and demons are all around Every day, Holy Spirit is on the inside. He's rising up on the inside of you, calling you into righteousness. And every day, the enemy is trying to buffet you. He's trying to stop you, thwart you, right? But the answer to it isn't go, oh, the devil's after me. No, that's not the point. The point is you have authority. If you resist, he flees. If you resist, he flees. Why would he flee? Because Jesus already Destroyed him on the cross. And you're under the blood of Jesus. Watch this. Colossians. Flip over one page. Colossians 1. Are you all with me still? We doing okay? Y'all want to take communion in a minute? Good. Me too. Y'all like, yes, I want to split. I want to drink the whole communion cup and pour it on myself. (laughs) I need to get you guys clear. I need to get you clear so that spiritual wickednesses don't take you off course. I need to get you where you're standing in your authority, and then you can see the kid at your school or the guy at your job or whoever it is that's in your world, and you can recognize when the enemy is oppressing them. I need to get you so you're clear so that you can help get them clear. And so that you're not off-roaded by every single while of the enemy. Am I making sense? I need to get you clear so you don't keep stepping in the same sin over and over and over. Because the enemy is slick and he's trying to trick you and trap you. And you're not getting away with anything. You're actually becoming a puppet because he's using his same little scheme to get you in the same problem over and over and over again. I need to get you clear so you can stand in the authority of the cross. You can stand in the authority of the blood of Jesus, and you can get this this point clear that you're in a war. 
There's a Caleb Andrews song. Caleb is kind of an OG in the house of prayer. Wrote a bunch of songs. Life ain't only, but it's always a war. But man, if you can start exerting your will against the enemy, and you can make that your habit, then he doesn't get the real estate of your mind. He can't get your actions if he can't get your thoughts. And when your mind and your actions line up with God, now the kingdom has come in you. And you're manifesting something of power in that place. And you're operating everywhere your feet are going, you're taking the kingdom with you. But if half our crew is struggling with wiles and bound by strongholds, we can't ever manifest power. Because we're just trying to fight the thing that we've given access to our own brain. Am I making sense? Colossians 1. Look at this. Ah, I can't. I just. Okay, verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for patience and long-suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That's who you are qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Strengthened with all might. That's who you are in Christ. Look at this. Verse 13. With that in mind, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption. How? Through His blood. When the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross, something hit in the spiritual realm, and the enemy thought he was winning by crucifying Jesus, but he was losing his grip on humanity. And through the power of the blood, anybody that believes in Jesus is conveyed into the kingdom of light, out of the kingdom of darkness. He doesn't have authority over you. That's who you are. By the power of his blood. Look at this last verse, Revelation 1. Look at it. Put your eyes on it. Verse 5. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood. 
and has made us kings and priests. Or another translation says, a kingdom of priests. Did you know you're a priest? Did you know you're a priest? You're like, no. Priests have access to God. They represent man to God and God to man. The whole kingdom of Christianity, we're all priests. But here's the thing you got to catch. you got to catch this. In the Old Testament, the priests, they would take the blood of the bull and they would put it on their thumb, on their ear, on their big toe, on their right side. It was so their foot, every step was sanctified so that everything they heard was sanctified so that everything their hand touched was sanctified. But you, you're not a priest under the old. You're a priest under the new. And you're not just got blood on your thumb and your ear and your toe. You got blood all over you, man. You're washed in the blood of Jesus. Right now, if Jesus is your Lord, you're washed in the blood of Jesus. That very blood that took the authority from the devil completely transitioned you from darkness to light, completely destroyed the works of the devil. That blood is all over you. The old preachers used to say, the devil can't cross the bloodline. He has no authority over you. The only way he has authority in your life is if you give it to him. That's why sin is so toxic. Because it, honestly, it makes you a punk for the devil. Where you had authority, you've now handed it back to him. And he gains entrance. Listen, repentance isn't a bad word. Repentance is how we live. Because by the power of the blood of Jesus, he's faithful and just. That if we confess our sins, he restores us to being clean from all unrighteousness. It's just like that. There's no, like, work you have to do. You don't have to try harder to try to, you know, do a bunch of good works. Oh, I promise I really want to be righteous this time. And he goes, no, 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 no. The blood already did that. Just say no to sin, yes to me. Clean every time. Man, Lord, I got an attitude. Talk bad to my friend. I, please forgive me. Clean. Whatever it is, whatever the sin is, clean when we turn to Jesus. There's, let me just say this. There's no version of, well, I'll just sin because I know I can repent and I'll be clean. It doesn't work like that. Now, if you did that and you realize that was sin and then you repent, clean, clean. <laughs> I want to get you clean. I want to get you clear. I want to get you operating in power. One last demon story. This is my second demon deliverance. Eh. I got like, Angel stories that I didn't actually see the angel, but the other person did. I don't really have good angel stories. I don't have good angel stories. Jamie Girl's got good angel stories. She can tell you. 
Jamie Boy's got good angel stories. Jamie Girl and Jamie Boy are going to be here the whole month of March. They're going to light you guys up. It's going to be good. I might come just for fun. All right. I'm a youth pastor back in the day, like a million years ago. And uh, I'm, we're doing worship, and I feel like this oppression in the worship, like something is like oppressive in the room. And I get up and I go, I literally did this. I go, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. Boom. And I do, when I do that, this girl goes flying back. Ah! Starts manifesting. I'm like, whoa, this thing is loaded. Yeah. Screaming. They pull her out. They pull her out of the room. They don't come back. Service is over. I'm like, what happened to them? And, and, and they've been trying to minister deliverance to this girl the whole time. And they couldn't get her clear. And I walk in there, man, it's, it's, it's just a demon. We stayed there. I watched this young girl throw up 30 times mouthfuls of clear vomit. It was the nastiest, unbelievable, supernatural thing. And I was talking to a demon for, for three hours. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to get it out. I didn't have faith. It's simple. It's faith. I had to take her home at two, her dad actually showed up at two o'clock in the morning. And I had to hand her back to her father. I said, we're trying to pray for your daughter. So what's the matter? She had voodoo and witchcraft all in her family. It's a month later. Youth ministry again. Same girl. Same kind of situation. Feeling oppression. I don't realize she's there. In the name of Jesus, devil, I bind you. I'm like, oh, no. Except for now, the Lord had taken me on a journey in deliverance. Same thing happens. She's gone the whole service. They're trying to minister to her. I dismiss the service two hours later. Go walking into the side room. She's in there, and she is in a complete fog. But the Lord had started dealing with me about believing the power of the cross and the power in the name of Jesus. So she is not there, and the only thing that's talking to us is a demon. And, I, and she's just walking around like aimlessly in this room, and it's just very, very disturbing. And I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And this, this girl, she, she froze. I go, in the name of Jesus, sit down. She sits. And her eyes are rolled up in her head. I go, in the name of Jesus, look at me. Ten seconds goes by. It's like, I hope this works. <laughs> Boom, the eyes come down. What's the difference? I believed in the power of the name of Jesus. The power of the blood of Jesus. I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to loose her and let her go. 
and it came right out. It's awesome. <laughs> it took 20 minutes. 20 minutes total, this girl I'd spent four hours with. 20 minutes total. She was in her right mind. She was free. She was delivered. She went home. We've seen that replay over and over and over. I'm telling you, there is no demon that has power over Christians because Jesus' work on the cross destroyed principalities and powers. And us, we're covered by the blood. We are under the blood of Jesus. So the spiritual wickednesses, the rulers of darkness, the authorities and the principalities, they have no power over us. Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Let's take this communion. We're going to pass this communion out. You're like, I'm going to pour the whole thing all over myself. Take a bath in this communion. When we take communion... The Bible says it's a sharing, a fellowship, a fellowship in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. It's a sharing with Jesus. Okay? When we take communion, we are meeting the Lord in the cross when we take communion. It's not just a religious thing. It's not just a... Oh, it's a symbol, it's, you know. No, we're meeting the Lord in the cross. It's a sharing, a fellowship with him. When we take communion, the Bible says we're not supposed to take it flippantly. We're not supposed to come to the communion table and have unconfessed sin in our lives. We're not supposed to come and have division against other believers. When we take communion, it's a moment where we reset ourselves in repentance and humility before Jesus. Does that make sense? And when we take communion, we're invoking the power of the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of Jesus. His body was broken for our healing and our unity. There is no division that should be able to stand between any Christians because we both have Holy Spirit on the inside of us and Jesus' body was broken for our healing. It was also broken for our physical healing. Stripes, the cat of nine tails was beat across Jesus' back 39 times at least. For our physical healing. That's what, the, that's what the bread is about. His broken body. The, the juice, the, the wine, the grape juice in our case. That's his shed blood. That's what you're washed in. That's what destroyed the works of the devil. That's what delivered you from sin. Watch the effects of sin and the authority of sin. 
power of the blood of Jesus is what transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. When we say yes to the Lord, these things are applied to our lives. And then when we take communion, we're continually going back to that place. The scripture says we're declaring the Lord's death until he comes. What are we declaring about his death? The victory of the cross. We don't take communion lightly. We don't take it religiously. We don't take it because everybody else is. We take it because we're communing with Jesus in it. Does that make sense? Let's go ahead and open it. So when we take communion, we're coming to Jesus. I'm finding so much safety in the cross, so much power in the cross, so much beauty in the cross, because all my hope is in the cross. Just strength, honey, please. Just strength. So much beauty in the cross. Him who is infinitely perfect becoming infinitely broken with the sin of the world on himself to destroy the works of the devil and to deliver you and me. I want you to just focus on him right now. There's a writer that I love. He calls him my infinite good. My love, my infinite good. So I want you to look at Jesus on the cross right now. I want you to think about Jesus. Son of God, perfect, sinless in every way. beaten mercilessly. They hit him with a whip at nine extensions called a cat of nine tails. They beat him over and over and over. The Jews had a law at 39. You stopped because it would kill a man. The Romans had no law. They just kept beating him. The psalmist prophesied about Jesus on the cross and he said I gave my cheeks to those who rip out the beard they took his beard and they ripped it from his face and the blood flowed out of his cheeks and they nailed him to the wooden cross beam and they drove the spikes through his wrists I know the Bible says hands, but the Hebrew hand extends halfway down the forearm. The only way a person's body could be held would be the spikes lodged between the two bones in your arm. 
and they put one foot over top of the other, and they drove a spike, one single spike, through the front and the back of the foot. It went right through the front of the ankle on one foot and right out the back of the ankle on the other foot. He's God, and he's sinless, and he's taking the cross for us. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. They drove the crown of thorns into his head. This is not little bitty rose bush thorns. These are long Middle Eastern thorns, two inches, like little nails. They would beat it into the victim's head with a reed so that the, the talons of the, the, the thorns, that they would pierce the actual skull of the victim. And oftentimes they would, they would get the, the, the thorns that had a poisonous resin on them that would penetrate the mind and would cause delusions mental hallucinations to the victim. His back is ripped off. His arms are nailed. His wrists are pierced. His feet are pierced. The, cr the crown is driven into his head. He's beautiful. love. It's love, guys. Sinless and perfect, taking every sin, taking every one of your compromises, taking every one of your little lies, your big ones, your small ones, every time you stepped into a sin, every time you followed a while of the devil, Every single one. Your pornography, he took it. He, he took every kind of thing. Your drunkenness, your drugs, he took it. Your rebellion, your anger, your hatred, your bigotry, your thieving. He took it. He took it. He took it all upon himself. His body was broken. The scripture said his appearance was marred more than any man. He was broken for love. For love. For love. My Jesus, my infinite good, my love. you to take that bread and snap it in your fingers. Because it was my sin and it was your sin that broke his body. Lord, we hold the bread before you, recognizing our sin was what you bore on your body on the cross. 
you took it for the joy set before you to set us free, to heal us, to deliver us. We accept it. Not enough just to see it. We accept it. We accept your sacrifice for us, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. You can take the bread. Hold that cup. Can you see him with blood spilling from his brow, from his face, from his back, from his wrists, from his feet? Perfect God. Shedding blood to set us free. Righteousness forfeiting his blood. Right now, every sin, he took it on his body, he took it on himself. Every sin in your life, known and unknown, you can repent of it right now. And you get completely cleansed. Repent isn't just ask for forgiveness, it's turn away. You see him broken on that cross, it's you and my sin that put him there. Now repent, repent, turn away from the sin, turn away from the lies, turn away from the lusts, turn away and turn to him on the cross, cling to him on the cross. Jesus, my infinite good, my love and my infinite good. Ask him, forgive me, cleanse me. I forgive every person that I've got beef with. I forgive them all right now in the name of Jesus. I release and I forgive. If you could forgive me, how could I not forgive? I forgive and I bless. Now come under the cross. Come under the blood. In the last supper, Peter, he said, Lord, you can't wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. He was talking about the feet in the moment, but he was talking about the blood he would shed in 48 hours. We've been washed in the blood. We're his priests. We turn away from sin, every sin, known and unknown, and we turn toward you, King of glory, beautiful Jesus, who loved us 
ever still. There's no sin too great for the cross, no sin too great for the blood. Right now, you could have been in sin walking in the door tonight, and right now, a true heart of repentance, and you are clean. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray, meet us in the power of this communion right now. We invoke the power of the blood of Jesus against all the wiles, the attacks of the enemy, the strongholds the enemy is trying to erect in our minds. We plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is against you, devil. The blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over every single person under the sound of my voice. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And we receive the power, the forgiveness, the deliverance, the liberty that comes from the blood. In Jesus' name, you can take the cup. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.